Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. 39-yard field goal for Adam Vinatieri. Out of the hold of Rigoberto Sanchez. There is the snap. The ball. The kick is on its way. It has the distance, and it is good. It's good. It clanked off the left upright, but it went through, and it's good. Brissett out of the gun. They throw it right side. It's caught by Jack Doyle. First down, 20, 15, and he goes down, and he stays inbounds. Slides up to the 14-yard line. That's a gain of 13, and Jack Doyle comes up with a huge catch. A first down for the Colts. Atlanta's out of timeouts. The Colts lead by three. A minute 38 to go in the game, and the Colts should come out in victory formation and take a couple of knees to salt the game away. Colts win. Colts win. Two and one on the season. We're back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner. 27-24. Is that the final? I think it was. Colts moved to 2-1 and one on the year. Um, first time since 2013 that they are 2-1. And, and uh, wow, what a weekend. Joey Molinaro gets married. Colts win 27-24. I don't know about you guys. I kind of hated Thursday's podcast. Thought I sounded dull. Hate talking by myself for that long. So I brought in one of the greatest winners I know, probably the greatest winner I know besides Tiger Woods. We got Maddie Bowen back in studio. Mads, did you think you'd be invited back in? Well, I got invited back in when Joey had his bachelor party. <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, and then Andrew Luck decided to And then to Andrew say, Luck retired. So I figured I, I couldn't do the podcast justice enough to do the podcast following the uh, – the retirement. Yeah, smart. That was. I think I wanted you in here, right? And you, you, you kind of made the executive decision of like, no. I, I gave you a hard no. Yeah, that was smart. Um, what do you think of the wedding? It was such a great time. Um, someone at the wedding told me something really funny that I can't believe I've never thought of. They were fans of the podcast, and they said that you and Joey should be known as Bow and Arrow. <laughs> <laughs> You was know, that Danny? Danny Cox? No, it wasn't. It was a, a guy named Alex Bill. I went to high oh, yeah, school yeah, with yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. um he, you know, it's like a like Brangelina or Interesting. <laughs> okay. Your your celeb name. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. I like it. Let me run that by Joey on Thursday's podcast. But, but um, we had a great time. Yeah, it was fun. Such a fun wedding. Shout out to uh Joey and Riley. Obviously Joey's out today. He will be back Thursday, so don't fret. Um, Joey Molinaro will be back, uh, but a beautiful time in Hope, Indiana. Got home in time to watch the Irish make it competitive, somewhat competitive, and listen to you yell at me because I yell at 18-year-old kids. Yeah, that you do that. They get $200,000 to go to Notre Dame. I can yell at them. Yeah, I've heard that, too. <laughs> I thought it was a fun game to watch. I, Great game. And And I mean... So much fun football so far this season. Tons. And I think what we saw on Saturday, actually, we saw a little bit on Sunday. We'll obviously touch on that in uh, things I like, things I didn't like with this podcast. Um, We'll hit on Twitter questions per per usual. And yesterday was just, it was a battle of freaking attrition out there. I don't know if I've seen that many big in-game injuries in quite some time. Um, You know, for Atlanta, Keanu Neal tears his Achilles. Uh, you had Grady Jarrett out on that final drive of the game, which is a huge drive. Edo Smith, their backup running back, has a concussion. Obviously, for the Colts, a T.Y. Hilton injury in the second half. And uh, Malik Hooker has the mysterious kind of third quarter thing. And 
Um, if I for, if I forget to talk about Hooker, Maddie, tell me to talk about him at some point today. Okay. But um, but yeah, I just you know Darius Leonard not not, not being lined up, the Colts get banged up on their D line. But this is kind of the next step for this football team. It's like, can you win games when your depth is tested? And I didn't think this team could do that last year. Um, they, they honestly didn't do it in the first you know six weeks of the season when they had some injuries. Uh, and then late in the year, they, they stayed pretty healthy. There were moments of, uh, of leakage and things like that. Uh, but I thought yesterday they were able to withstand that. And you just you stay ahead of the eight ball. You get a win at home. You, you, you should beat the Falcons at home. You're two and one. Now you can get to three and one when you beat the Raiders on Sunday because the Raiders are the Raiders. And this is a team that I think is through the early part of the season. I don't know if anyone could have thought of a better start um, to be two and one to have Jacoby Brissett played like he did yesterday. Um, you know, all in all, I think got to be pretty pleased if you're a Colts fan. And boy, the offense was good yesterday. So good. Defense terrible. Matt Ryan shredded the Colts. And, uh, yeah, two and one now, and uh, just a big win on on multiple levels, which we'll uh, which we'll get into. Yeah. Um, speaking of sort of all of that, um, let's just talk about in more depth what you really liked yesterday. I know you you touched on it a little bit here. I loved Jacoby. That was really fun to watch. Uh, outstanding. <laughs> he was um, outstanding. He was so much fun. So yeah, what are your thoughts on on what you liked yesterday? Well, let's before we get into Jacoby, I want to start with the head coach Frank Reich, and we're going to talk about his play calling. But let's talk about Frank Reich and how his team is disciplined. I touched on it earlier. Notre Dame, n- not ready for Athens, Georgia. Not ready for that environment. Looked like a high school team out there trying to you know handle the ninety thousand people in that stadium. Um, I was pissed. I was yelling. I. I, I I wasn't happy. You imagine being a fan of the Atlanta Falcons yesterday? Watching a professional sports team. 16 penalties. For 128 yards. 16 penalties for 128 yards. Seven of them went for first downs. We can make fun of the Falcons, but I and I've just done that. But let's give credit to the Colts. Disciplined football team. You represent the mantra and the mentality and the mental makeup of your head coach. You watch Frank Reich on the sideline, stoic. You watch Brian Kelly on the sideline, chaotic. Yeah. You know, it's it's just something where I think there, there there's something to it. You know, being an IU grad, obviously, as as you, Mads, I feel like at times I compare like watching Tom Crean coach in his basketball team. Tom Crean is a nut. He's a lunatic on the sidelines. His basketball team played chaotic. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like you you do, you, you look over that sideline and you want a calming influence. And, and Frank Reich is that. And he made it clear coming into this season, you know, I asked him several times about the slow starts. The Colts have been horrible in starting seasons, dating back early in the Chuck Pagano ages. Frank Reich said repeatedly, time in, time out, we have got to be a disciplined football team and not commit penalties. We see a huge emphasis around the league right now in penalties, and boom, there's Frank Reich's team coming into Sunday. 11 penalties in the whole year, tied for the fewest in the NFL. 75 yards in penalty yardage this season, the best in the NFL. And then he goes out there, and his team gets 80 yards in penalty advantage. And again, a lot of that has to do with Atlanta's idiocy. Is that a Idiot- word? Idiocracy. I don't know. They're just idiots. <laughs> idiocy. 
Idiocy. I think, yeah, I don't know. I think it's, it's idiocy. It's 847 on a Monday morning. I tend to make up words this early. Um, yeah, that makes me feel a couple of ways. Like, on one hand, I, I love that about Frank Reich, too, and I always have. And on one hand, it makes you feel like, wow, this is going to be a great team despite what has happened. But the other side of me says, what if we would have had Andrew Luck here? What would that look like? Yeah, oh, boy. You're going to get the YouTube commenters coming at you early. <laughs> Are you going there? We're not even I mean, I, I don't want to even think about the past. I just want to think about the future, truthfully. But when when you say that, when you say how, um, how he's really formed this team and how they've started off so well this year, there's a part of you that can't help but think that yeah, way. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it, it, it would be great. But, again, I, I think Jacoby Brissett has been really, really good. We'll, 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 we'll touch on that next. But the, the last thing on Reich that I want to hit on before we move, to to the new QB1 in town, who, ironically enough, was announced third to last in pregame warm-ups. <laughs> Don't know if there's any quarterback around the league that get announced third to last. That's weird. Um, his play calling. He's playing chess. Everybody else is playing checkers. You know, I, I've said it time and time again. He is a mastermind <laughs> as an offensive head coach. Um he is outstanding schematically, and you don't have T.Y. Hilton during the second half yesterday. How many times have we seen this offense just get stuck in mud when 13's been on the sidelines? They still move the football. They have the one poor drive in the third quarter, and then those final two drives. You go 11 plays, you get a touchdown, then you go nine plays. You finish the game with the ball in your hands. You didn't do that in Nashville. You, I, there's no way I was the only one thinking this. I'm thinking to myself, if Rigoberto's got to go out there and punt one more time, or even if Vinny has to go out there and kick a field goal, Matt Ryan's going to go lead a touchdown drive, and the Colts can be one and two. That's the NFL. Parity is defined in this league. It's why we love, love, love the NFL. Every game is heart-stopping, and Frank Wright gives the Colts an advantage week in and week out. He, he's a weapon. Which is so weird. To, I mean, first off, it's weird to like look at Frank Reich and know that he's an ex-preacher and call him a weapon. Um, but he is. He's just he's a mastermind when it comes to play calling. The, the 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 two plays that I can't get over are the two Zach Pascal plays from yesterday. Zach Pascal. No one started him in fantasy. The guy's played fifty-four snaps coming into Sunday. He had played fifty-four snaps this season. Maddie Bowen had been targeted the same amount as Zach Pascal. Well, yeah, I remember when that play happened yesterday. I said well, that was so easy. I mean, he, no one was covering him, and you said no. That was really good play calling. They haven't thrown to him yet this year. Literally, yeah. Maddie and I went back, watched the game together before she went upstairs to watch the Emmys. <laughs> um, you, you were hanging in there for about a half, and that Zach Pascal, that he was high school open. You know, like you, you see kids that are just wide open on Friday nights. You don't usually see that in the NFL. Zach Pascal was wide open in an area of the field. You don't usually see people that wide open, but it's the window dressing. I'm going to go back and try and find it. I know there's been a similar little, uh, whatever you want to call it, screen, I guess, maybe to Naeem Hines or maybe a little bit of a wheel route to Hines. So he occupies everyone pre-snap going in motion. You have Hilton on, on the post corner, which carries the cornerback and keeps the safety in the middle of the field. And Zach Pascal is wide, wide open. And then you come back in the second half, and it's a third and one. There's no T.Y. Hilton. Atlanta's selling out on the run. Here comes Zach Pascal in motion. You're thinking, crack block, similar to the two-point conversion against the Chargers in week one. No, no, no. Zach Pascal, beautiful job of selling it. 
Then he's wide open. Jacoby finds him. Just an outstanding day. I mean, whether it's window dressing or, you know, wrinkles and personnel groupings, Frank Reich just gets it. And he gives you an advantage when you're depleted personnel-wise and your offense has to do the heavy lifting. More often than not, the Colts have the advantage in their play caller. I asked Frank Reich after the game, I go, I know this is an awkward question, but how would you grade your play calling? And he's such a humble human being, he wouldn't even go there. But I'm just I'll give him an A. Like, he deserves that. Frank Reich was outstanding yesterday, and he's a big reason why the Colts are 2-1. Love it. Love Frank Reich. All right, um, moving on to something else you liked. I know we talked uh, – let's talk about Vinny. Yeah? I want to go QB1. You want to go QB1. Okay, let's talk about Jacoby first. You like his demeanor. I love his demeanor. I think he's a – I think he's a great guy. I think he kind of mirrors Frank Reich in his – and just his his calmness out there. I I think it's – that's a really good point in that – Within the game, Jacoby Brissett is so calm, but when there are moments to get fired up, he gets fired up. And that's why his teammates love him. His teammates absolutely love him. But you you bring up that, that point about how calm he is throughout the course of a game. Frank Reich said it's been interesting watching. He feels like Jacoby's the calmest in the fourth quarter. That shouldn't be the case for, for most any athlete, really, in, in the most pressure-packed situations. But that's when Brissett has been the calmest. And you look to the the game-clinching play, the third and four to Jack Doyle. It's a read option. It's an RPO. And it's Jacoby Brissett's call. It's a run-pass check. Jacoby Brissett, you go to the line of scrimmage, and it's your call. That's how much faith Frank Reich has in his quarterback. His quarterback delivered with the completion to Jack Doyle. Um, for those that haven't read it yet, um, the Bowen household was up early this morning. And I was reading Albert Breer's Monday Morning Quarterback article, and a shout out to Mark on Twitter um, for making drawing me to that article if I hadn't read it already, which that's part of my Monday morning routine. Albert Breer got Frank Reich on the phone after the game and, and touched on some more Jacoby Brissett stuff, and I wanted to make sure I included a few of those notes in here. Reich said that Jacoby and him were talking Saturday morning. And Reich told Jacoby that he had as good a week of practice as a quarterback can have. Frank Reich, I mean, in our Thursday practice, it's like it was perfection from the quarterback position. Reich and Jacoby meet every Saturday morning, and basically Reich said to him, like, you are in the zone. You've been in the zone all week. I think it's going to carry over into the game. What's Jacoby do? Carries it over. Completes his first 16 passes of the game. Yeah, which, didn't he set some record for himself maybe? I think, yeah, definitely for himself, and I think he was one short of Peyton's record to start a game. Oh, man, one short? Yeah. I mean, anytime you're in company with Colts, great. I mean, the Colts have got some quarterbacks that have done some things in in the record book. Um, Just outstanding. And, like, this wasn't the game manager, Jacoby, we saw week one and week two. Like, those were nice performances, but he didn't do the heavy lifting. He did the heavy lifting for you yesterday. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting, Reich being really candid, kind of saying, I think Jacoby needed this performance just to show that entire locker room. I've got a little Andrew Luck in me. Mm -hmm. That was more Andrew Luck-like out of Jacoby Brissett, creating some plays. I mentioned it last week on the podcast. I like to see him throw some guys open a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I thought he did a better job of that. Chunk plays, hit on three chunks that had been missing. The first two games of the season. Um, 
and something that I really loved from Sunday, this probably won't, won't be a drive that stands out to most people, and I'm going to dial up the game book here if I can find it. It was a first and 20. Um, was it in the first quarter? Yeah, here it is. All right, first and 20, okay? Colts are up 3 nothing. Matt Ryan and the Falcons had uh, punted it. You got a first and 20 here. And what does Brissett do? Methodically, death by a 1,000 paper cuts to pick up the first down. Five yards to Hilton. Ten yards to Doyle. Now you're in third and five. Now it's manageable. Nine yards to Ebron. That is deflating to a defense. Mm-hmm. What does Frank Reich do on the next play? Zach Pascal, the Colts are dancing. What was that dance? <laughs> That's a pretty common dance, I think. Was it was it a soldier boy where yeah. they kind of like Yeah. Oh wow. I wish I wish you the wish listeners this a video podcast. See this. Yeah. Yeah. I was dancing like that Saturday night in Hope, Indiana, was I not? You were putting on a really good show in, in Hope, Indiana. Uh only for you, Joey. He doesn't usually do that. Uh that was big. Yeah. Pascal's touchdown was huge. And and I just I don't know. I just I was really impressed. By Jacoby Brissett. I think a lot of listeners of the podcast know that I've kind of been on the give me five to six weeks before I give a firm grade. Yesterday's a type of type of performance that makes me believe in what the Colts believe. Like they think Jacoby Brissett has it in him. Um, define it. Is that a top eight quarterback in the league one day, which I think is what he has to get to for a team to have sustained success and routinely be with the Kansas cities and the new England's of the world. I, I don't know, but Sunday was really, really good. Yeah, when they um, put that like scoreboard of those first 15 or yeah. so completions. A lot of green. A lot of green. That was super cool to see. And that last that last completion that he that he made, I think that was like the 29-yarder or something. Yes. That was a beautiful pass. I thought some of the deep balls to Hilton. When Hilton got laid out by Purdue's own Ricardo Allen. Um, shout out to Grace Allen. Great Instagram. <laughs> Um, Eric Ebron as well um, had a chunk play. I'm thinking Th- those are the big time throws. A couple mm-hmm. of just big time throws that I think Brissett hadn't made or hadn't made enough of maybe in the first couple of games because this passing offense was poor. It was poor the first two weeks of the season from a yards per attempt standpoint. Um, before we move on from Jacoby, couple quick things. You had seven drives on Sunday. Six of them had at least three first downs. Six of seven drives with at least three first downs. That is consistent, moving the ball. Those drives all lasted at least seven plays. Five of them, or six of them now that I look at it. I think over nine nine plays. I mean, it, it was... When your defense can't stop a nosebleed, your offense has got to carry it. And they did that. Jacoby Brissett, I thought Frank Reich had a great comment. Yesterday in the post-game press conference, someone asked him, you know, who's who's getting the game ball? Frank Wright goes, we don't usually announce that until Monday. It's going to Jacoby. Yeah, he's just kind of like, it's it's going to QB1, number seven. Um, first start in his era, Jacoby Brissett delivered. And uh, if he keeps on doing that, that Andrew Luck picture that came off the side of the building, number seven in blue is going to go up there pretty soon. Can't wait to see that day. Let's talk about depth. Tested, tested on Sunday, and I touched on this a little bit in in the opener. No Leonard Hooker misses a quarter, um, and I guess I'll get into that right now. The whole Hooker thing. Okay, so I'm up there, you know, 
bird eye view up there of section 700 worst worst view of any nfl stadium maybe new orleans is worse maybe houston's worse but it's right up there and all of a sudden i see hooker jog back and forth from the locker room and like jogging aggressively i'm like well, that doesn't look like it's a lower body injury or something like that comes on the sidelines talking to the medical team talking to the rehab staff i'm, I'm very confused so i asked frank right he eventually goes back in the game goes in the game i think in the fourth quarter i asked frank Reich afterwards He's like, yeah, just, you know, it's a rotational thing. You know, we like to kind of rotate our safeties, keep them fresh. I I don't believe that. I'm sorry. I I just don't. Malik Hooker played every snap in 95-degree heat in Nashville the week before. Something was wrong. Why is he talking to the medical and rehab staff? If he's really resting or you just want to get Kari Willis on the field, he'd still have his helmet on. He'd still be doing things. And the vibe I got after the game – was there, there there was an injury, and there was a risk of a – they wanted to make sure that there wasn't a further risk of long-term injury with Malik Hooker. Um, so you had Hooker out for a third quarter. T.Y. Hilton is out for the second half. Um, you know, Danico Autry banged up. Tycon Lewis banged up. You know, you don't have Jabal Sheard. Your depth has got to show up. And, you know, guys like Zach Paschal – Shows up big time for you. I thought the defense was shaky, but Anthony Walker had a couple moments as well. You know, Clayton Gathers is a guy that, you know, catches that interception from Matt Ryan as well. And, and, and kudos to T.Y. Hilton. I know he, didn't, he uh, didn't play the second half, but that first half he was unbelievable. The hit he took from Allen, T.Y.'s tough. T.Y. is tough. He's 5'9". We don't look at him and think tough. He's tough. Said after the game that the doctors thought if he went back out there, he could possibly tear it. Tear the quad, which is what he was limited with all week long coming into the game. That's why he didn't play in the second half. Ten targets and eight catches. That that might be the most catches T.Y. Hilton's ever had in half. I probably should have looked that up before this pod. But um, your depth tested, it delivered for you, and that's gonna that's part of a sixteen game season. Like no one's gonna apologize for you in the NFL. Atlanta's got injuries too. No one is gonna apologize for you. You got to win that game at home. And you did. Awesome. All right. I jumped the gun earlier, but it was because I was excited because you aren't the only one. I, I'm very excited that Adam Vinatieri had an awesome day yesterday. Um, although started off a little bit shaky with uh with it ricocheting off of the upright. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um that was a, a, a certainly a nerve wracking moment. Thank God it, it ricocheted the right way. Well kicking gods. Yeah. Kicking gods inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. And then from there it was um it was up and to the right. So let's talk about Adam Vinatieri. Well, I guess up and to the right probably. That's I'm like, more... oh God, <laughs> up and to the right. Oh boy. A, I'm in the business world. That's a business term for good. <laughs> You got your sales mode going early on a Monday. That's not a good football term on this podcast. Okay, not up and to the right. Everything in between the uprights. It was up and to the middle. Yes, better, <laughs> much better there. Um, you know, I, I thought it was really cool, the the ovation the crowd gave him before the game. Uh, or I guess, really, when he came on the field for his first kick. Right, uh, that's what was cool about it, because... They were giving him the ovation before anything happened. Like, we we believe in you. Yeah, and, and, and you know, a lot of those fans, they probably would have booed had he missed it. 100%. But it's one of those things where, and this is part of fandom. This is why I love all of you people that that, that, that listen to this podcast and are crazy fans. I'm a crazy fan. I My wife can tell you firsthand. She watched me operate Saturday night with that Notre Dame game. Um, 
you have to have belief in him because he has the jersey on on game day. Like he, he's one of you, like he's he's playing. Like you need him to make field goals. If you lose that game, now you're behind the eight ball, and who knows what happens. So that encouragement, I don't know if it helped them or not, but hell, maybe that crowd blew that ball right off the upright and right in. Man, that was hooking fast. That thing was oof, fifty yards. Does it go in? I mean, one more yard. <laughs> Boy, that was a um, that thing was moving, but uh, 49 yards, good. And then the rest of the day, pretty pretty solid. Yeah. He made the three extra points from 33 yards, and I think the other field goal was like 31 yards. Um, and I, I just felt like it was needed. It does it all of a sudden make me think that I'm going to ignore all kicking questions for the next you know 13 weeks of the season? Hell no, no. You're kicking indoors. It's not like it's going to be an arrowhead in two weeks, all those things. Adam Vinatieri's got to string some weeks together, but that was needed. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll get a lot of Twitter questions like, Do you, are you concerned about how the 49-yard field goal looked? I mean, it wasn't the prettiest kick. Yeah. And, yeah, I had my brother calling me after the game saying, boy, that was like a duck hook going out of bounds and it hits a tree and comes back in the fairway. You know, and sometimes that's all it needs. You just need a break. You just need something to go your way. Right. You know, it, it's it's Put a, you mentally back in the right place. Yes, and mentally he's been, I think, beaten up, honestly, which is crazy to say, but it's a shooter that's in a slump and gets a layup. It's uh, a wideout that struggle with drops and he gets a screen pass to start a game. You know, a baseball player gets on via an air. It's something that just gives you a jolt and makes you... Exhale, mm-hmm. boom, and you're back in it. So who knows? Maybe that's big. I saw Zach Kiefer and I were talking before the game. Vinatieri was kicking with a couple different color cleats before the game. Nothing to worry about there. Um, he said he just breaks in different cleats throughout the season. Good time to test some new shoes, huh? Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Trust me, I was kind of like, oh, boy. I'm, like, looking up pictures from, like, the preseason game. Like, are those black cleats or white cleats he was wearing? <laughs> I'm like, God, this is my life right now. Uh, but this is why kicker hell sucks. So Adam Vinatieri has moved up. He, he's out of hell. What, is purgatory above hell? Yeah, it is. <laughs> okay, so he's in purgatory. Great golf course up in Noblesville. Um, so, yeah. Purgatory is uh, a good word for it. He's definitely in purgatory right now. Yeah, better. You know, better. And, and some people want to like be like, oh, that absolves everything. Let's not go there, people. String them together. Do them outdoors. Stay healthy. And Adam Venteri is going to be the Colts kicker for the rest of the season. Love it. All right, what else we got? All right, um, moving on to things that you didn't necessarily like. Got to cover some of those things. Yeah. I know we talked a little bit about the defense. Um, elaborate on that. Well, I thought they were horrible, honestly. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought it was putrid. Well. You know, coming into this game, I think on Thursday I mentioned this. As a son of two teachers, I like to do a lot of grading. And we're grading the Colts. Their curriculum has upgraded this season. That's what happens when you bring back 11 starters. You add Justin Houston. You spend seven of your first eight draft picks on the defensive side of the ball. You, you want to be a player playoff caliber unit. You need to be graded on a higher standard. Phillip Rivers, your defense was bad. Marcus Mariota, your defense was good. 
Philip Rivers is good. Marcus Mariota is bad. Here comes Matt Ryan. That's that's somewhere in the middle. Maybe a little bit better than average. How do you grade out? I thought they were terrible, honestly. I know you had the pick. You gave up three points in the first half. But to me, it's the refusal to make adjustments and you allowing 8 of 10 on third down. Atlanta's drives yesterday. Atlanta had six actual drives. One of them was a kneel down, so we're going to take that out. Six drives. Those six drives averaged four and a half first downs per drive. Four and a half first downs per drive. That's awful. Awful by the Indianapolis defense. Atlanta couldn't run the ball at all the first two weeks of the year. I think I think Devontae Freeman, um, I'd ask you to look that up, Maz, but I feel like we could be here until midnight. Mm-hmm. Um, Devontae Freeman was horrible the first few weeks. Or just what wasn't productive is how I should say. Five and a half yards per carry. Matt Ryan, 22 of 23 in the second half. It's just, it's just, I expect better out of that unit. And I get it, Darius Leonard's not in there, but it's not just Leonard's absence. Your D-line, your starting defensive line, was you know, Autry missed what, a series, a few plays? He wasn't out for very long. Your starting D-line, the goose egg on sacks against a banged-up Atlanta offensive line, not a very mobile quarterback, Zero sacks against Matt Ryan. Yeah, that's not good. It's not good at all, and it's a unit that's played so well early in the season. Colts came into Sunday, I think, third in the league in sacks per pass attempt. I think it was like 12%. I mean, you were you were 0% Sunday. Um, you know, Gether's big job on, on catching the interception. I did think Bobby Okariki had decent coverage there, and that's an overthrow. That I don't know if Matt Ryan didn't see him. I mean, that, that ball was so high. Manute Bowl wouldn't have caught that. You know Manute Bowl? <laughs> no, I don't. Who is that? 7 7 NBA player. Google image Manute Bowl. Oh, I always think of who's the other really, really tall guy? Yao Ming. Yao Dikembe Ming. Matumbo. George Mirasam. Is Dikembe Matumbo really tall? Oh, yeah. Wags his finger. When he blocks shots, he wags his finger to say, no, no, no. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Matt Ryan is 22 of 23 in the second half. Matt Ryan's tall, too. 6'5". You think Matt Ryan's hot? I think he's kind of cute. Uh, but I, I just I want to see more involvement out of the defense. I don't want to see this team settle down in the cover two zone and, and and try and hold on. Like, dictate things. Rick Venturi texted me after the game. And we, we are both in the same boat that we cannot believe that Frank Reich is so schematically wired as a head coach. He loves, loves the whole pawn piece aspect that comes to the offensive side of football. And Matt Eberflus is over here, and he's just kind of like, effort, speed, cover two. Like, I I just want to see more dictating out of this defense. And um, this is how we're going to grade the unit. Big picture, what we saw to this defense, nothing has changed in my mind. We're going to get potentially to this team December and January because right now, this AFC South, what, first team to win nine? First team to win ten games? Went, wins this division? That was a big win by Houston in L.A. yesterday. Mm. I don't know if Deshaun Watson could survive 16 games. Well, if he does, this is a team that is going to have to prove it. 
against Watsons. And when you get in the playoffs, you're going to see better quarterbacks. Um, so, yeah, I thought the defense was um, was not was not good enough to be a playoff-type unit at all. Think they'll bounce back? You know, Derek Carr, I, I, he's not Marcus Mariota bad. He's probably not Matt Ryan good. And Oakland has so much dysfunction. I mean, they are – yeah, I mean, Oakland has not looked good. What are they, one and two on the year? And I think they were getting their ass kicked yesterday by Minnesota before they made it look decent on the scoreboard. I, I just I just don't have faith in this defense against the elite quarterbacks. I don't. Um, so, yeah, I mean, bounce back against Derek Carr maybe a little bit, although Derek Carr shredded him last year. And then what do you have in two weeks? you got Patrick Mahomes. you got the best offense in football waiting for you. So yeah. this defense has got to make strides. And, yeah, we'll get into a little bit later on things that I don't like still. Um, but I just I, – I didn't like the complimentary football that you got out of that unit. Okay. You heard it here. Okay, let's talk about injuries. Yeah, the Hilton injury will be something to watch. You know, just like I mentioned earlier, you said the quad injury. He didn't want to go back in there. Doctors thought he could possibly tear it or just didn't want to risk further injury. So we'll see if that means he's got to rest a week or if there's something he can play through. I mean, he actually heard it not on the touchdown. I know he went straight to the locker room after the touchdown. He said that he felt it um, aggravate a few plays before that. Um Tyquan Lewis was in a boot, ankle, right ankle. Um, he's been a big part of your third down package, so that'll be something to watch as well. And then Malik Hooker, just I, I think just monitor it. You know, he's a guy who's been banged up before. Um, you got to watch that. Danico Autry had the eye injury, which he played through. But this, you know, it's a football team that you like the depth, but obviously you want to stay away from some of these big names. I mean, you're talking, you know, Leonard. Hilton, Hooker, those are what, three of your most six, seven best players, most important players, whatever you want to argue. Mm-hmm. Um, so just a little bit of injury watch as uh, the Colts get ready for the Raiders Okay. week four. All right. And then what about a plan for uh, Julio Jones? Yeah, Julio. Um, is he the best receiver in football, you think? Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily say that. Frank Reich says it. Well, I, I I don't know. I mean, I would I would trust Frank Reich over me. Yeah, well, that's probably the smartest comment I've heard all day. <laughs> um, a plan for Julio Jones. If you had a plan, I didn't see it. And I go back to, again, game planning against the opposing team's best players. Try and take them out of the game. Julio Jones finished Sunday with nine targets – Eight catches. So what that means is there was one incompletion. We saw when Matt Ryan targeted Julio Jones was when Rocky Seen had that coverage early in the game. I think it was a third down early in that game. And um, Rock kind of got his hands on him early in the play. And that disrupted some sort of timing. Matt Ryan overthrows Julio. And then how many times throughout the rest of the game, yes, there were times where Julio beat man coverage and he showed why he's one of the best receivers in the league. But there are other times where it's free release. No one even sniffs him on the first five, ten yards of the route. Julio Jones settles into the zone and it's pitch and catch. You know, it's Brad Bowen and Kevin Bowen in the backyard. <laughs> it just, it, it's just easy. And, and that, that stuff just cannot happen. 
And that, I guess, is what is probably the most frustrating aspect of it for, for Colts fans is that you didn't see adjustments. When your pass rush isn't getting home, why not throw in a little bit more press? When you know Rocky seen, that's what he's known for. He's known as kind of a, a press corner. So play, you aren't going to see many Julio Jones-type guys the rest of the year. You are going to see DeAndre Hopkins a couple times. But that, to me, was a big issue and continues to be an issue that, yes, you can throw this into the defensive effort and that being a negative, but you got to have plans to take away the best skill players on the other team. And I thought the Colts struggled in that on, uh, on Sunday. All right, Twitter time. Are you ready? Yeah, this is my favorite part. All right. I'm ready. All right, Twitter time. Twitter time. Let's start with Matt. Matt says, amazing gut check win for the banged-up Colts. What did you think overall of Okariki? Also, why didn't the Colts bring pressure up the middle on a third and long, or on third and long all game? Yeah, preaching to the choir there. Okariki, um, I thought thought decent. What do you have, eight tackles and probably played nearly – nearly 100% of the snaps. I mean, you can't grade him like a like an A, obviously, when, when you see what the defensive performance was, especially up the middle of the field. There were a couple shaky moments there, but um, I just think he needs more reps. I'm curious to see, you know, how much when Leonard does come back, do we see him and Walker kind of split those reps a little bit more? Uh, but I didn't notice anything too alarming with Bobby Okariki. But again, the, the Atlanta offense performs like the Atlanta offense did. You can't give him just some unbelievable grade. Cool. Uh, Cody. Hey, Cody. His Twitter question is, what do you think about the Colts' zone defense? It seems to me it's too easy for these elite QBs to split defenders. They have too much time. Also, Rakusin still looks shaky in zone defense. Yeah, I think it's good points, Cody. You know, Rock, again, I, I go back to what I said earlier. For a guy that is so good in man coverage in college, I would like to have seen a little bit more of that in the second half or just just allow him to kind of flourish in that. I get it. He's got to learn how to play zone at some point, but you would like to see, um, you know, better from him or him just put in more a- advantageous situations. And, I mean, for all this talk about the Colts wanting to play more man and being open to playing more man coverage – I just don't think we, we we've seen it, and it's not like I exclusively want you know Pierre to see her on an island with Julio Jones. Bracket them, put Malik Hooker over there, put Kari Willis over there, something to try and take away the opposing team's best player. Cool. Next question is from MCM XXIV. I think that's MCM twenty four. Oh, nice. I don't, I don't know. know my Roman numerals. I, that like could that. be wrong. It could be twenty six. Is all the hype around Deion Kane just smoke and mirrors? The Colts have created a TV show for the guy. I was on the Kane bandwagon at first, but I feel like he's getting far more hype than he deserves. Why do you think Deion Kane, or I'm sorry, do you think Deion Kane will ever become the wide receiver Indy wants us to believe? Oh my gosh, he's three weeks into it after a torn ACL. I mean, come on now. I, I am a little surprised we haven't seen more of Deion Kane without Devin Funches. He played the most snaps of any wideout on the team. We had three targets yesterday, one catch. Um, I would like to see Kane get involved a little bit more. Certainly if T.Y. Hilton's got to miss game three, or week four, I should say, um, he will definitely play more. Um, but, yeah, I don't think this is anything too alarming with Deion Kane. He's getting back into it. Um, I expected a few more targets, but I don't think this is necessarily on Deion Kane. The Colts are spreading the ball around. I think people would like to see more touches for Paris Campbell as well. Uh, but clearly Frank Reich wants to have – 
know, a guy like Chester Rogers played 20-some snaps yesterday, wasn't targeted. Like, they like to rotate at wideout. Selfishly, I'd probably like to see that snap count come down a little bit more for Kane or Campbell. But that's just not how Frank Reich rolls. Kind of like the idea of spreading it out. Yeah, but Good people, to have. people are pissed because they want their fantasy players to get all the points. Oh, uh, I see. Now I understand. Yeah. It's all about fantasy. Okay. Uh, this question's from Parker. Hey, Kevin, love your podcast. Thanks, Parker. I'm going to squeeze down here a little bit. I know it's early, but based off of what we've seen in the Redskins, uh, what kind of value do you think that second rounder will yield, and what position groups would you guess the Colts target in the draft based on the sudden depth on defense? Wow, Parker's already going there. (laughs) So you got more? Yeah, there's more to this question. Anyway, we see a first-round QB off the board to give Jacoby some competition. That is a three-parter, I think. Wow. Well, if you're drafting a first-round QB, that's your QB. Point blank, period. You you don't draft a first-round QB to be in competition. Like, I'm tired of these teams being like, oh, let's stick with Eli Manning for two weeks. Stop it. Go start Daniel Jones and move on. Let Eli ride off into the sunset. With his 20 mil. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but, yeah, I think, like, you know, Washington looks bad, I'm pretty sure. Did they win? I, I don't know. I mean, the day that I worry about the Washington Redskins, I guess I should start worrying about them because the Colts have a draft pick. Um, I, I Washington plays tonight, now that I think about it. Washington Bears tonight. Well, who's the Monday night game, Ads? Do you know? I don't. What do you think the chances of you knowing that were? Before I <laughs> if the Colts were playing, I would know. That's right. Yeah, Washington's <laughs> 0-2. They got the Bears tonight. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it looks like it's going to be a high pick. The Colts are going to have the draft capital. If they want to make a quarterback move, they're going to have draft capital. Jacoby Reset said yesterday, shut the hell up. That's what he said. He said, shut the hell up about drafting a quarterback. He didn't say it, but he acted like it with his words in the field. Mm-hmm. So, um, for now, we will not entertain any quarterback draft talk. Cool. Uh, this one's from Wyatt. He said, I remember in the last week's or I remember in last week's podcast, actually, Kev, you brought this up already. Um, you brought up Jacoby Brissett and not being able to throw people open. Do you think that improved, which you said earlier that you do think that improved? Um, I think he did spectacularly on the throw to TY and those passes to Doyle over the shoulder on curls. So yeah. maybe just continue to elaborate on that. Yeah, for sure. I thought his ball placement what, what was a great why. You and I were on the same board that was a seventy five percent. I mean, it's a very, very high number. So, um, yeah, thank you, Wyatt, for sending that one in. And then this one's from Ollie. He said, my man, got a cue for the pod. <laughs> if T.Y. is out for some reason, who are the free agent wide receivers you'd chase? Oof, it's dark thought. Much love from Australia. Go Colts. Oh, awesome. Down under for Ollie. Appreciate you tuning in, Ollie. Um, boy, the free agent wideout list. Michael Floyd, Mike Wallace, he's still trying to play football. Didn't Torrey Smith just retire? Justin Hunter. You just googling? People always run a name. <laughs> it's just a free agent list right now. I, I assume those guys are on the open market. I don't even know to be honest with you. Do you sign Christian Hogan off the Saints practice squad? I I don't know. You know I. If T.Y.'s out, you probably need a fifth wideout for this week. It's it's not a must. You could roll with the four you got. Um, I don't think it, it doesn't sound anything too, too serious with, with T.Y., but um, Colts do have two wideouts on the practice squad, Ashton Doolin and Chad Williams, so they might just want to go in-house as well. Cool. This question's from Casey with a K. Um, continuing on the, the Hilton line here, do the Colts think about 
sitting Hilton next week in anticipation for the Chiefs? Oh, boy, that's dangerous. Mm. That's a very, like, college football thing to do. Oh, we got Georgia Southern this week. That's sit, you know, whoever. Um, yeah, but, you know, he was he's injured a little bit. For sure. No, I, I think it's a very fair question from from. K- are you back in Casey or are you back in me? I'm back in Casey here. Trying to get the, the woman fellowship. Well, I guess we don't know that. <laughs> Casey's a woman. I'm gonna have to apologize. Sorry, Casey. <laughs> Casey, I think it's a great question. Um, you know, it is something that I think if there's long term risk, I think you do probably rest them. Man. But I hate having that mindset. Because I, I think every game is so important. You know, I think 16 games are 16 games. Should you beat the Raiders without T.Y. Hilton? Yes, without a doubt. So maybe you do rest them. That, that'll be something to monitor throughout the week. It also doesn't have to be all or nothing. You can put them in a little bit. Yeah, I I, I think it is all or nothing. Okay. I mean, definitely dial back his playing time, though. Okay, cool. Um, Scott says, loved Okariki. Any way to get Bobby and Darius playing alongside each other? Um, Yeah, I... I, I I think there is a potential of that. I think we started to see a little bit of that even when Anthony Walker, Darius Leonard, and Bobby O'Kriki were all healthy. I mean, Walker's snap counts were not crazy high the first two weeks of the season. He probably played like, I don't know, I'm just spitballing here, 60 70% of the snaps the first two weeks. I think O'Kriki had played 20%. So O'Kriki was definitely getting on the field. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that could be something similar to Kari Wills at safety we could see. Cool. Jason says... Um, starting LBs, Okariki, Leonard, and Walker. When Leonard comes back, move Okariki to Walker's spot since he's more comfortable at that position. I think Walker is versatile enough to move around. Thoughts? No, you want Anthony Walker's cerebral self out. They had a couple tackles for loss yesterday. He had like 14 tackles. You want to keep Anthony Walker on the field. Yes, you can bring Bobby Okariki on and maybe he plays more on passing downs. He had really good coverage on the interception by Clayton Gathers. But let's not take Anthony Walker for granted here, people. This is a guy that is a smart football player, and you only play with two linebackers anyways. It's not very often you play with three. Matthew Adams is that third linebacker. Um, so I would stick with with Walker mostly, and then again, bring Okariki along. Cool. Um, Laura says, and it seems rhetorical, has there ever been a more, a more win-win trade in the history of sports than the Brissette Dorset trade. Remember to talk into the mic. Oh, sorry. There you go. There you go, just in case, because I feel like at times I'm so loud and you're so quiet. Are you going to cut that out? No, we're going to leave it in there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. I do the same thing where I'm like looking at my laptop or stats and whatever. Sorry if you guys couldn't hear me. Should, well, I, should I repeat no, the no, question? No, no, Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, what Laura say? Laura, Laura asked said, questions. Laura said, has there ever been a more win-win trade in the history of sports than the Brissette dorset trade? Wow, history of sports is a lot of sports, Laura. Um, lots of trades. Yeah, lots of trades. I say it's worked out really well for both teams. Man, Philip Dorsett with the Patriots has looked pretty good. A lot of people look good with the Patriots, though. Um, man, who would have thought that, that, that trade would have turned out to be what it's been? Um, and yeah, I mean, for how much Frank Wright or Chris Ballard admittedly says he screwed up the Scott Tolzien thing, not getting a quarterback in here earlier in 2017, some pretty good scouting so far on, uh, on Jacoby Brissett. Cool. I, after every, every time you end, I say, cool, I need to think of a different thing to say. 
Um, Thanks Ra- for the question. Here we go. Moving on. <laughs> good, good pointer. Robbie Larada says, "Oh, says is Jack Doyle a guy you would absolutely bring back next season? To me, he showed why he is such a valuable member of the team yesterday with his third down conversion and his catches in the middle of the field. Is that enough to get paid as a TE one again next year? Yeah, I, I think Jack Doyle. I, I lean towards Jack Doyle more than Eric Ebron, which I know some people might disagree with. Well, but- you." have an affinity towards Jack Doyle, I but, feel like. Uh, yeah, I'm not bringing any bias on uh, on this podcast here. You got to be, yeah, I mean, you got to show. Checking I, I'm honestly thinking what what, what the Colts are going to do. The Colts are obsessed with Jack Doyle. That's why he plays so much more than than, than Eric Ebron. Um, and I don't think Jack Doyle will be asking to break the bank. I've talked before about Eric Ebron and, and looking for that big payday. Um, it's a tough call, but Jack Doyle showed yesterday why he's a reliable guy that gives you help on the rundowns and on the pass downs. Great question. Great question. Now let's go to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so scripted. Just uh, say the person's name. This question is from Zach. He says, when will Eberflus learn to play man? So does that mean like man-to-man defense? Man coverage, yeah, Zach. I mean, it's it, he promised it. Don't think we've seen that much of it. We haven't seen a whole lot of success. It's something I'll ask Matt Eberflus tomorrow and hopefully have more on the Thursday podcast when Joey and I come back at you. But you just want to see a little bit more creativity from that side of the ball. Ben Orr, when – or I'm sorry, do we have enough on Brissett now to rank him against playoff defenses? I'm thrilled for the overall team performances, but my level remains how far do we go in January? I like what I've seen so far, but it's been non-playoff teams and coaches. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to go. I, I think that's a little harsh. I think Atlanta, Tennessee, and the Chargers, I know they haven't been great, great teams, but I think, and I guess Tennessee and and I guess all these teams are one and two, but they aren't like bottom feeders. You aren't playing the freaking New York Jets, Miami Dolphins here. So, um I'm not ready to sit here and say like Jacoby Brissett can deliver in January for you. Like that that's that's a high, high bar that he still needs to clear. But I, I don't know how you can look after the first three games and not be pleased with what Jacoby Brissett has given you. And it's more so of just what he has individually shown, less about the competition. I, I've just been impressed by his poise and his accuracy. Those are questions I had coming into the year. How would he be from a throwing the football standpoint, accuracy, and how would he handle stuff? pre-snap things. Have we seen the catastrophic turnover? He's thrown one pick. I mean, yeah, there were a couple moments in, in that Tennessee game where a little shaky, but you haven't gotten behind, you know, too, too much because of him early on. Impressed by Jacoby Brissett, certainly, but it's three games. Let's, let, let's pause a little bit. Let's get into October um, before we start, you know, making, I think, a little bit more concrete answers on that. Next question's from Brissette Season. Can you put into words how much better Frank Reich's play calling is compared to Chuck Pagano? It amazes me how much better Reich is. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, Chuck wasn't calling the offensive plays when he was here. Um, Frank Reich just gets it. He, he just gets it as a head football coach in the sense of how he handles an offensive game plan. He sets up things so well. There's, there's no doubt in my mind he knew the limited targets to Zach Paschal. He looked on his play sheet and thought, Zach Pascal has not been targeted in 54 snaps. That's a tendency. That's a trend an opposing team sees. How do we take advantage of that? Boom, you took advantage of it on Sunday afternoon. 
Yeah, I mean, Frank Reich infinitely better than than the previous coaching staff. All right. Let's do three more. Okay. Um, Tom says, like to know where Houston was yesterday. Yeah, I, I, you need better out of your D-line. Justin Houston, one sack through three games. Probably need a little better there, honestly. Kamoko Turi had the one rush. I, I was very disappointed in the defensive line yesterday. Mm-hmm. And coming into the game, I mentioned on Thursday's podcast, you're going to win this game in the trenches. Your O-line did a pretty good job, busted the big run there late. Your D-line, you won in spite of them, which is not something we said the first two weeks of the season. Dalton says, are we underutilizing Ebron? He's looked good down the field. Yeah. My question about Ebron is why he wears that really big long sleeve t-shirt. That's baggy. It's so baggy. Is he getting ready for fall? I don't know. It just looks weird, I think. Yeah. I'm used to these guys wearing like the tightest stuff possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Ebron's got swag, though. You can't. I mean, he, he'll he be the first one to tell you that. Mm. Um, I don't think you're underutilizing him, no. I, I, I'd like to see a little bit more Kane and Campbell, but let's not nitpick too much on the offense right now. Final question? Yeah, two more. Two more? All right. This one's from Matt. Uh, do you think the Colts move up for QB in the draft? Oh, no, move on. Move okay. On. Skip that one. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. Tim says, what isn't Brissett using? I think maybe why isn't Brissett using Kane that much yet? He's only been targeted six times this season. Wow, well, is it really only six? Yeah. I was counting. I mean, has there been any wideouts been targeted more than six times besides Hilton? That's just from the seat of my pants. I have no idea if that's true or not, but. I would like to see Kane get a little bit more involved, especially with the snap counts he's playing. He's playing a decent amount. Um, it seems like very specific back shoulder stuff for him. But just in general, the wideouts maybe haven't had as much production as you would think here so far in 2019. All right. Final question is a more specific question around the defense from Skoog. It says, it's been wild to have a coach like Frank Reich who – seems to always be a step ahead of the defense. I know you've expressed frustration with Eberflus's play calling, but have you seen any improvement this year? Does the D look more complex and strategic? Skoog, Mike Skoog, the legend, chiming in. Um, no, I really haven't. Um, been disappointed, you know, in that in that side of the ball. Um, for the most part. There's been moments with the pass rush that have helped out. The secondary's had some flashes. Hooker has definitely had some good moments as well. But I just, you know, again, it's, it's a race standard for that side of the ball this year. Um, just haven't seen as much as, as, as I would like. But I think Derek Carr and Patrick Mahomes will provide two decent opportunities the next couple of weeks. I think he come back from the bye. Is Houston the first game back from the bye? I think it is. Carr, Mahomes, Watson, the next three games, defense is going to have a chance to uh, reshape my thinking. Yeah, we're only three games in. Three games into it. What's up next for us, Kev? All right, uh, basically the Colts will be on their same regimented schedule this week. Coordinators talk Tuesday, um, then they'll get on the practice field Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. As I mentioned in this podcast, we'll, we'll definitely hit on injuries this week as there are a few names to watch. On paper, the Colts are going to be, what, at least a touchdown favorite, maybe more. Sunday's game against Oakland, um, but a couple injuries to watch and just just be a professional this week. Sounds like I'm my dad talking to Chad Kelly in the basement, but it's just like just be a professional. 
do what you're supposed to do, beat a team you're supposed to beat, and go into week five, three and one, going into Kansas City, with or without Andrew Luck, you would have signed up for that in Sharpie Marker. You got anything else? Nope. Thanks for having me back, Kevin's Corner listeners. I appreciate it. I know you'll be happy to hear Joey's voice once he gets back. Um, Mads, I thought you did a stellar job. Thanks. I thought you are outstanding. Um, we'll see what the YouTube commenters say. Yeah. They might not agree. <laughs> well, we can't base our happiness off of YouTube commenters, can we? No. If we did that, it would be a rough life. We had a few people last time that were not happy yeah, that you I were know. here. Look, I can take it. I appreciate your constructive feedback and uh you got armadillo like well. skin armadillo like skin yeah oh like tough skin yeah yeah you, you i got... thought you were actually commenting on my skin no no gosh jeez that would not be good <laughs> that's maddie bowen across the way she's been great joey molinero will be back on thursday appreciate you all listening if you have any other questions k bowen 1070 on twitter and 1075 thefan.com is all of your colts coverage have a great week everybody love you kev This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.